May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. Well, today we continue on in a series of sermons on Christian stewardship, on a Christian view of giving and generosity. And last week we looked at what Paul, uh, the Apostle, is teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 when he goes on this fundraising mission to raise money for uh, poor Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem. And we looked at the theology that was underneath his appeal uh, to, to give. And uh, this morning we look at Jesus' teaching with regards to money, how to view it and how to use it as disciples in his kingdom. And so I want to turn your attention to that passage. That's printed in your bulletin on page 11. This is part of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is instruction for his followers about life in the kingdom of God. And there's quite a contrast between life in the kingdom of Christ and then the value system of the world. And the point here is that disciples living in the kingdom of God under the rule of Jesus must decide how they're going to think about and use material possessions. Jesus, in this passage, gives us a stark choice and a series of stark choices when it comes to money and material possessions. It's a series of either-or choices, not both-and choices. I like both-and choices. When I go to a restaurant, I want to choose and be able to choose a salad and a dessert. I don't want to go to a restaurant that says you get to choose either one or the other, a salad or a dessert, but not both. No, I want the dessert particularly. (laughs) I want the both and choice. But there are some choices in life that are either or. In fact, most of the serious choices in life are that way. I will either marry this person or that person. I can't marry both. I can't be committed to both. Our daughter Grace is wrestling with a decision about where to go to college. She can't go to two schools at one time. She's got to make an either-or decision. And these decisions are hard and anxiety-provoking because they involve risk. What if I make the wrong decision? What if I go down the wrong path? But in the face of those choices, you have to take a a step of faith. And Jesus, in this passage about money, is calling us to trust him. Will we trust our crucified and risen Lord when it comes to the issue of money and material possessions. He lays before us a series of either-or choices. Here's the first one. Either store up treasure on earth for yourself or store up treasure in heaven. Jesus is giving us some investment advice here, and he's saying that storing up treasure for yourself is a bad investment because it's not secure. Do not lay up for yourselves, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
That is not a secure investment. In Jesus' day, people would take their valuables, take their treasures, and oftentimes put it in a box and literally bury it in, a ground, in the ground under their house or in a field. And Jesus is saying somebody could break in and take that. Somebody could watch you where you buried it and take your treasure. So it's not secure. Eventually, all valuable things, whether clothes or precious objects, are going to be corroded and destroyed. That's what the reference to moth and rust gets at. Earthly treasure will not last. It isn't secure. And I was interested to hear this week that on Tuesday, I think it was, marked the 90th anniversary of the beginning of uh, the Great Depression, the stock market. Stark market crashed during the Great Depression. It was the 90th anniversary of Black Tuesday. In three years after that, the market would go down to lose around 90% of its value. And then we remember just 10 years ago, the stock market lost over a period of 18 months, almost half of its value. And so those painful downturns in the market remind us that we can't find ultimate security in the treasures of this life. Even when we survive such downturns and maybe enjoy great gains and are sitting on a pile of money, the fact is that we can't take it with us. It's not ultimately secure. Second Timothy 6, 7, Paul says this, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. Maybe that's where the expression came from. You can't take it with you. The Apostle Paul said it first. So our security is not found in storing up treasure on earth for ourselves. Jesus' investment advice then is to, in verse 20, lay up treasure for yourself in heaven where it's secure. Neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. What does he mean by treasure in heaven? He's not saying you can buy your way into heaven, either through giving money or through good works. We know that the way into the eternal presence of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through repentance of our sins and faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is a work of grace. You can't buy your way into heaven. But the Bible does talk about treasure in heaven, rewards in heaven. And uh, this is an interesting topic, and I don't have time to expand on it. Maybe at some point we'll come back to this issue of what does the Bible mean when it talks about treasures or rewards in heaven? What are the nature of those rewards? Um, We'll save that for another time, but if you look Through the Gospels, Jesus is often referring to treasure in heaven. Again, not entry into heaven, but once you're there, rewards. And uh, he often connects that to how we handle money and our generosity with the resources God has given us, especially to those who have very little. So, for example, last week we looked at the story, or at least it was in our bulletin, the story of the rich young ruler, and Jesus presented before the rich young ruler this stark choice, either or, either your money, which was an idol in his life, or following me. And Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Matthew nineteen twenty one. Jesus wants us to trust in the greater value 
of treasure in heaven. It's greater than storing up treasure for ourselves in this life. So that means that as followers of him, we have to make choices about how we will spend our money and all things that God has given to us. All that we have ultimately is from his hand. So this has to do with our money, with our possessions, with our time, with our abilities and our talent. How are we going to offer this in service to the Lord? How will we spend those things that God has given us as good stewards? We have to make choices. I've been reading over the last couple of weeks in preparation for these sermons stories of disciples who challenge me and convict me in terms of the decisions that they've made, how they will use their resources. So, for example, here is a story I read just the other day. This is somebody talking about their grandma and grandpa and their generosity. And he said, sometimes evening visitors would call on grandma and grandpa and then leave because the lights were not on. But grandma and grandpa were home. They preferred saving money for missions rather than burning electricity. So they would walk around their house in the dark, using the money they would have spent on electricity to invest in God's purposes in the world. When I read that, I was really challenged and convicted. Are there things in my life that I can cut back on? Things that I think, well, I can't live without this, where really I could live without it, and invest in eternal purposes. Jesus says not only is investing in treasure on earth for ourselves, this kind of selfish mentality with what we have, not only is that a bad investment, it's, it's not secure, but it can lead our heart away from what is important. It can lead our heart away from things of eternal value. That's a warning here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is the inner person. The heart is the real person. Man looks on outward appearance, but God sees the heart. God knows what's really going on inside of us. We're called to guard our heart, for it is the wellspring of our life. The heart is the real person. The heart drives our emotions, our anxieties. And there's a lot of anxiety around this issue of money and material possessions, isn't there? The heart drives our thinking and our will and our action. The heart affects everything. It affects our character, our relationships, our values. And it influences the direction of our life, either closer to God and the things of God or away from God. So the first choice when it comes to money is either storing up treasure for yourself on earth or treasure in heaven. Here's the second choice. Either a good eye or an evil eye. If your eye is healthy, he says, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, how your whole body will be full of darkness, he says. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What is Jesus talking about here? And how is this connected to money and materialism. Well, Jewish teachers often use the, the phrase an evil eye to talk about people who were envious or greedy. 
They looked at the world through the lens of greed and envy. They looked at what other people had, and they had an evil eye towards it. An evil eye could also mean looking down on somebody who has less than what you have. But a good eye, a healthy eye, belongs to somebody who is grateful to God for what he has given to them, and they're generous with what God has given. Another way to translate this is a single eye. A healthy eye is a single eye, not looking to the value system of the world and God, but wholeheartedly devoted to God, singly focused on God and his value system to live a life that's pleasing to him. So much in our culture then trains us to have this evil eye, this unhealthy eye. So much in our culture, especially advertising, teaches us, you could say catechizes us, to have an eye that is full of greed or this desire for more. This is the purpose of much advertising, is to increase our appetite for more and not to be satisfied with what we have. I came across an ad that was in the magazine for a shiny new silver sports car. And the ad said this, is a beautiful sports car uh, on this Behind this back black ground, the silver car was gleaming in the light. And it said, with its 332 horsepower and its finely crafted interior, every single detail makes you want it more. And then it said, in big letters, or is it a need? Then it said, need? Question mark. Want? Question mark. Same difference. Mixing up our needs, what we need, and what we want. Mixing up our desires and, and meeting our basic necessities. Our culture trains us to have this sort of greedy eye, this perspective on the world. And Jesus is warning us against that. Well, he says to his disciples, he calls us to have a good eye, a single eye devoted to God and his values. And then here's the final, and it really comes all the way down to this. This is the final contrast. This is the essential matter. This is the fundamental choice. We have the choice between two masters, don't we? Jesus says we can either serve God or money, but you can't serve both. Is that true? Let's just think about that. I'm just thinking how that would work out in a person's life trying to serve God and money at the same time. Just ran a little thought experiment as I reflected on this. Let's say a young person just starting out in the world, and they, they want to be rich. In fact, that is a goal in their life. I'm going to be rich no matter what it takes. This is the goal of my life. But that same person also says, my goal is to serve God, whatever it takes. Do you think there's going to be a tension, a conflict in this person's life? I think there would be a conflict if they say, my goal is to be rich no matter what. That is what I'm going to do. And my goal is also to serve God, whatever it takes. I think there will be a tension. And the tension could come in terms of time. Many people, in order to get rich, will spend an inordinate amount of time focused on making money to the detriment of other things, like relationships, like the worship of God. 
The conflict might come in values. In order to get or maintain wealth, a person might be tempted to shade the truth or undermine the competitor in an unethical way or to not compensate their employees fairly. Now, notice I'm not saying you can't be rich and serve God. I'm saying you can't serve God and say, I'm also going to serve money. You can't have two masters. You understand the difference? Jesus isn't saying you can't have both God and money. He's saying you can't have two masters. Who's in the driver's seat? When the conflict comes, who's in the driver's seat? How will decisions be made? You can't serve both God and money. There are wealthy Christians throughout history who have used their wealth for the good of others and for the kingdom of God. There are plenty of examples, if I had time, we could talk about them. I thank God for them. I thank God for people in this congregation who use their wealth for God's purposes. There are Christians, business owners, who use their business to promote human flourishing throughout the world and in this country. I came across an organization called BAM, Business as Mission. And these are business leaders who say that we are a community of those who are building God's kingdom through business among especially the most vulnerable, disadvantaged, and most out-of-reach people groups in our neighborhoods and throughout the world. Business as mission. People who understand that they're working for the Lord. He is their master, and they're going to use whatever they can do to promote the value system of the kingdom of God. Here's a quote that I think summarizes it all. I don't know who said this quote. It's one of these things that I I saw and there was no attribution, but I think it's very clear and very helpful. We'll end on this. The real point is not how much we have, but what has us. It's not what we hold, but how tightly we hold it. It's not what we have, but how we got it. The test of materialism is whether our goods have made us proud or grateful, self-sufficient or God-sufficient. Jesus puts before his disciples this choice. Will we store up treasure for ourselves on earth or invest in things of eternal value? Will we look at life through the lens of greed or envy or gratitude and generosity? Who is our ultimate master, God or money? Will we trust in the wisdom of Jesus, our Lord, and that his wisdom is better for us and for others than the wisdom of this world? Amen. Let us, let's pray. Lord, we are listening to your challenge this week and last week on these sensitive matters. The principles are, are pretty clear, but the decisions in light of those principles that we have to make, the way to live those principles out is complicated. There's no easy formula. The application is a matter for each of us to decide as we reflect prayerfully in your presence. Help us to listen to your still, small voice. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey in this area. Thank you for all the good gifts that you have given to us in this congregation and help us to grow 
in trust and in faithfulness to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.